Hello and welcome to the Data for Subscriptions podcast. I'm your host, Berat Bonian, and I have the pleasure of welcoming Olivier, Head of Business Development at Digital Route, to the show. Hello, Berat. Happy to be here. Olivier, today we're going to speak about data monetization and how that ties into usage data. And why don't we start with your market observations. What type of data are we seeing companies monetize? Data, it's a very trendy world, right? It's yeah. more and more everywhere, for sure. Um, do companies really monetize data? Yes, yes, maybe more than you could imagine. And it could be literally anything. Google is monetizing data by providing you on your smartphone the state of the traffic in front of you. You think you don't pay, but you pay the Google way, right? This, right. <laughs> this is the stuff. Or you can pay directly, or you can pay indirectly. And it can be crazy use cases. Like, let's imagine you have dozens of millions of cars driving or being driven on, on the roads daily. And the cars are equipped with uh, swipers. Is it the name in English? Right. Windshield wipers. Windshield wipers. Uh, and they know when it's raining, when it started to rain, because this is a point, right, for your own use as a driver. Mm. Uh, but because the, the cars are themselves connected through an IoT platform, actually the fact that it is raining exactly there, millions of uh, data points, real time that are loaded, it's something that is super cool to know for the weather forecast companies. Just to give you an example, data is not only what you have on your phone or what you're watching on Netflix. It could be something very different. So it's it's a really wide use case. What are the next set of use cases that you see are emerging? One that is maybe obvious and I will switch more on the B2B market now and in the manufacturing is what we call uh, predictive maintenance. Uh, it's all about data, right? The machine itself is... Uh, let's say paid as a service or it's paid one time. This is not the problem. I'm talking about the over the top services mm -hmm. like the maintenance or the, the spare parts. And <laughs> everything is about prediction because you have so many sensors, data points on the machine itself. And every time something is not strictly aligned or uh, airflow is, is too narrow, maybe a filter is, uh, is dirty and needs to be changed, or maybe something is wrong with the engine and so on. The machine itself will be able to roll up the information like, hey, I need to be maintained at some point, which is super cool because data will come up and will give additional information uh, for the maintainer to come and to know exactly what kind of filter he should bring with him, for example. So it's all for the value of the owner or the subscriber of the of the machine. So yeah, that's something that is uh, increasing in the market, for sure. Taking the previous examples that you gave in terms of what kind of data we're seeing being monetized, as well as the example from manufacturing IoT, we've had about a decade, I would say, if not more, of collection of data. So mm -hmm. there are massive amount of data being available, less so... Uh, when it comes to good practices that we can really see. So that's a space I want to dig into a little bit. What are the different ways, if you stay with the manufacturing and the IoT case, what are the different ways you see one can monetize data? And be very specific with the examples. Yeah, so if we stay at this example, um, why wouldn't those millions of data points, aggregated data points, being converted into direct value for the consumer? In this case, if the consumer, the owner of the machine, would take benefit because at some point it will be less expensive for him to have a technician coming and pay for the technician, but less often because the machine knows when it is strictly necessary, if we just take this simple example, he will have a benefit. He will spend less money. So would he be able to spend a little bit more money on a premium subscription for super smart maintenance? I guess so. This is exactly what you do with your car, right? You don't want to have any problem. You take the super premium. 
you want to take the risk because you are not a heavy user of your car, you take not the premium one, okay? And this is exactly the same. But it is all based on the fact that machines being connected, you can get online, real time, predictive because it's smart, it's intelligence over the pure raw data. Uh, so you, you buy some safety. And this is exactly what the consumer, whether B2B and B2C, wants. So are you able to, to give uh, a premium fee to have the, the safety? Well, when you are a factory manager, I think so, absolutely. Can you give an example of a company based on what you just described? Yeah, we can extend a little bit more with um, digging machines and, you know, the Caterpillars, the Komatsu and so on of the world. Uh, if you have a fleet of, I don't know, let's say 100 vehicles, mm -hmm. which are all highly critical, because if one is broken, it's like a production line. Yep. Just you know, <laughs> with an open sky uh, in front of you. If everything goes wrong, like an engine is broken or a tire is lost or whatever, uh, everything is blocked because it's, uh, you know, uh, it's on the... In tunnels, exactly. In, in tunnels, thank you. I was looking for the, the English uh, terminology. So uh, the peace of mind that you purchase by having dashboards, real time, online with all the vehicles and the potential problems and the number of hours and where they are exactly, uh, are they late, are they just on time and so on and so forth. It's, it's really a peace of mind. It's a way to monitor uh, your factory or whatever you can, you can imagine. So it's definitely something that the manufacturers, uh, the Caterpillar and the Komatsu of the world are proposing as a premium. They are machine sellers, but they have this direct relationship with the consumer, which is, in this case, the guy in charge of the business and the growth and the timing of uh, of all this, uh, let's say, factory. So if we take this example, and if I have my perspective to it as one, instead of buying these huge machines and the excavators, if you're a mining operations firm, you're now consuming the services, in this case, from a Komatsu, who's the provider of these kind of equipment. Yeah. Secondly, Komatsu's attaching itself to, for example, continuous operations for a mm -hmm. mining company. Mm -hmm. Because of what you said is you have kilometers of tunnels. In those tunnels, if one machine breaks down, it basically stops and clogs the tunnel. So from a mining company perspective, you could say, I need zero fault rate. You need zero fault rate. If you have a fault, you won't because you are on the super premium package. Precisely. You want a technician with the right spare part to be dropped in helicopter like in half an hour because otherwise there is a, a big problem. You know, you have SLAs. Right. If I may say, but you're bringing me on another way that is even more important. Why should the owner of the, you know, mining concession pay for something that is broken? Shouldn't he pay by the hours that is used or by the ton of dirt that has been moved or by the number of uh, whatever rocks and so on and so forth? So we are moving slowly to outcome-based pricing. We are not there yet, but still, it's an interesting question. And outcome-based, it's all about data. How many you know, uh, kilograms or tons of uh, stones have been moved today? This is something that we know because the machine knows because it's part of the predictive maintenance. So all the machines have the sensors for this. Raw data, but what do we do with raw data? Could we go to outcome-based pricing? One day we will. This is for sure. Who are the best in class when it comes to data monetization? Yeah, we've been talking about maybe super concrete example, uh, but we have to keep in mind that data monetization is the main business model for existing companies. So if we think about companies which business is to give intelligence, um, data points, marketing trends, 
it's all about data. They sell yeah. data. Data that is filtered, that is uh, augmented, <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, it's all about intelligence. Well, or it could be regulatory data, for example. If you want to know anything about uh, the la latest rules on how to build uh, a building in Germany with uh, the regulation, you can subscribe to this. If you want to know everything about Germany or if you want to know everything about the building construction regulation everywhere in the world, you can imagine that it's different data. See this as a matrix, you will subscribe to a row, a column, or just a cell in the big matrix, mm -hmm. and you have companies doing this. I don't know, I have an example in mind, uh, Dun Bradstreet, they are known for analyzing the financial data. This is exactly their business model. They resell crunched data, and this is the main business model. Mm -hmm. So they are making all their growth and their profits with, with this. Best in class because they have been doing this day one. And if you take a little bit of a more longer view when it comes to use cases, what do you see are coming on the horizon? I have a personal interest with uh, open banking and open insurance. Mm -hmm. It's a bet for me for the future. And there is a reason. By law, by regulation, <laughs> the banks and the insurance company have been asked, have been said, have been summoned to provide APIs to any service they would provide. They are doing this, more or less. Uh, they have to, you know. They have a schedule to follow. Um What's the value? For the customer, it's okay because they will be able to have, you know, one bank account, two bank accounts, 10 bank accounts, and they will give the money to the aggregator of the bank accounts and they will move money from one or another bank account. So what will be the value of being bank A or bank B for the customer? He would have one touch point. He will have the aggregator on his smartphone. Mm -hmm. And this is probably the future of banking. How would the bank react to this? Because if they are just holding a bank account, which is, sorry, <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit blunt on this. It's a, it's a statement like, how many money do you have in your bank account? Mm -hmm. And you have two APIs, which is plus and minus. What is the value of this? Are you ready to pay the fees, which are average five, six euros per month, just to have two APIs and the statement? I don't think so. After small steps, I think that the traditional banks will lose their uh, credibility in the market or they need to reinvent themselves. They need to put more APIs in the open banking, like what is the next best investment you have to do? What is the next best saving for you? So right. advisory around how do you manage your money? Because they have a real value on this. So they have to increase the number of uh, services. And this is a way out uh, with uh, open banking. It would be exactly the same with open insurance. How to monetize this? No, back to your question. Uh, if you don't monetize, access to the API or access to the service provided by the bank, well, how do you want to measure the outcome? How do you make your business as a bank? If you do, technically speaking, the transition to be, become a open API, whatever, open banking company, how do you make money? Mm -hmm. They have to make money, yeah. banks, because they keep the money. You, there, there is a cost. Well, the only way is to monetize open banking. So I'm trying to explain that you can take uh, a regulatory mandatory like request from the governments and so on, or the European Commission in this case, uh, to make it as a, as a gross profit. And some of the more advanced banks are opening some subsidiary, open banking subsidiary, or even bank as a service, when they have the same system, so, you know, it's paid forever, so you say they don't have to invest on a new company, they take the same system and they lower the cost just by switching off uh, employees, premises, right. and so on. They are just providing the service. So coming back to the core of what they want to do. But they monetize number of time you access to your account or quantity of money on the account or the next um, service that has been proposed to you. 
those kind of things. Now let's come back to the execution of it. We've touched it to some extent with the use cases, but a bit more explicitly now is let's understand the obstacles because tons of data. We've spoken about that. The fact that it's pervasive, we see it in multiple industries. You've given us some use cases, but what are the reoccurring obstacles you see? The main obstacle, well, you have two, literally. You have the technical obstacles. We will talk about this maybe a bit later, information system, mm -hmm. how to monetize, how to count. It's easy to say, if you count, you can monetize. Well, it's a little bit more complex. And then you have what is the value, the perceived value and the business value that um, the beneficiary of the service will be able to pay to get this. And you can do it for for the for the earth diggers, for the open banking, or for Google, or for whatever. It's exactly the same. What is the perceived value of the data? As a consumer, um, how many are you able to buy specific data? Well, let's do some very simple examples. If you're just interested in uh, your own marketing, get that right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you buy a list of potential prospects in your sector. And you probably pay by the number of potential leads or number of contacts right. that you will purchase. Right. Technically speaking, it's a request to a database and you are provided like, I don't know, a couple of uh, hundreds of thousands of potential customers of yours. And you will pay by the unit, right. maybe with steering and so on. It's okay, but it's kind of simple, right? If you want more data, like what is the next customer that I will sign? You know, mm -hmm. very qualified lead. Maybe you are able to have less information, but with a higher price because it's already crunched. You have some intelligence. You have some uh, augmented data. It's cross-fertilized. It's it's like engineered, you know? Right. So the value will uh, will increase. And if I go like, uh, Bedad, I will offer you for $1 million the information that will kill the competition or that will allow you to penetrate a new market like this, would you agree to pay $1 million and not to spend 10 just to do it manually and fail? Of course. I think what you're leaning into is is... Um, outcome-based pricing, which is what you flagged for as well before, is that and I think it's it's a it's a simple but a useful example in terms of if, whether you, do you want to buy um, a number of prospects as opposed to do you want to pay for a specific outcome? If you want to get a deal value of something, what are you willing to pay for that as opposed to a list of prospects? But that's a good segue into discussing outcome-based pricing actually. And I wanted to ask you: that's the topical discussion amongst all. Also for many companies that have been doing what we refer to as subscription businesses, most of them, to be frank, yep. simple, flat fee. Maybe we should just expand on and say, how do you actually go about solving for providing outcome-based services? That's, that's a cool buzzword because it's on everybody's mind and yeah. it's probably the future of data monetization and the future of many things in monetization in general. Um, because the goal is to put a value in front of what the real perceived value by the customer. Right. So we kill the cost plus approach. What are the margin and the stock of margin? No, no, it's about <laughs> how, how much the customer is ready to pay for a service. When it's intangible, we will discuss later, but it's kind of difficult, like, you know, pleasure of benefiting from a service. Mm. But um, is, we have a lot of different possibilities. Uh, the most obvious is you have the right unit of measure. The kilowatts an hour being the right example. It's measured, you pay for this, it's, it's, it's a fee per kilowatts an hour, it's perfectly okay. And by the way, it's not data monetization, it's really the, the core service. Uh, when it comes to something that is a little bit more sophisticated, 
like for example, I don't know, let's talk about the, the leasing companies uh, doing some uh, new models with a part of, of paper use and analyzing the usage of a park of, I don't know, printers or cars yep. or whatever, and bringing on top information of, uh, of the usage. Uh, it's based on a real high number of data points. And this is where it becomes a little bit difficult and it kills totally the fact that if I have an API, if I can count, then I can monetize because it's not the same level of granularity. So really, the best practice in outcome-based pricing is what is the unit of measure in front of which you will put a unit price and you will do just a multiplication. This is rating and billing. Uh, what is the unit of measure, the level of granularity of the unit of measure? And it's not that simple and it can be an aggregation of multiple things. Yeah, I mean, your message is this, is in order to get to outcome-based pricing, it really asks for a sophistication of how you access and manage usage data. You could get away with simpler use, use cases uh, by not having that level of granularity and, let's say, sophisticated management and access of usage data. But in order to get to that holy grail, yep. then you need to. Okay. Yes. Let me paint a, a scenario for you because I want to, mm -hmm. with your help, understand how I can reach ROI. So suppose I'm a... Um, company that operate globally providing water pumps. Now, these water pumps that I provide to cities and municipalities, they have uh, IoT sensors. So I've been tracking water consumption in cities for a couple of years. I've stored this data in a data lake. Now, I want to do, um, I want to open up new revenue streams. I want to innovate. My question to you is, can I start to see ROI accessing and using this data, data monetization within 12 to 18 months? That's a good one. Uh, that's a good one. Two things. Uh, first, the fact that you have a data lake is good, but it will not help for data monetization because it's just raw data mm -hmm. or a little bit aggregated data, but still it's at usually a super low level. So you need to aggregate and to go to something else. Exactly like we discussed about the API manager for open banking that are not enough to bring the value because you, you can just count ins and outs, and this is it. In your case, it's totally different. It's an analysis of flows of water inside the city, entering points, mm -hmm. exiting points, uh, number of uh, millions of liters that have been uh, sent to the to the factories that will clean the water, mm -hmm. don't know the name in English, uh, and so on and so forth. So in order to get some new business and to have a quick ROI, because you challenged me on this, I would say to this company, why do you let this opportunity to something else, to somebody else, sorry. Uh, if you own the grid, I'm sorry, it's probably the, the nice name, but the, the grid, you know, <laughs> under the earth with all the pipes and the, yeah. and the pumps and so on. So you know exactly what's happening. Right. Real time. And so you probably have already some millions of data points real time. And so you probably have already some analysis of is everything going well, going well or not? just to prevent a leakage or to prevent uh, some things going wrong. Why don't you use another level of data, maybe after um, a little bit of business intelligence, to sell these uh, data points, those data points or those, this intelligence to the customer itself or to other communities? Because after all, it's about um, anonymization of data. If you are in the city of uh, Stockholm and you want to sell the same story to the city of uh, Göteborg, maybe it's probably the same problem. Maybe you can anonymize and maybe you can sell some information that will be useful for this other city to implement the new network. And maybe they are ready to pay a lot for this. But if you sell to the city of Stockholm how it works 
really and you sell them the possibility to monitor they will be able to pay a premium for this so it's pure data monetization now to your question what is the ROI well you have everything you have the data points you just need a pipeline smart pipeline pipeline not for the water you understand but for the data for the data, sorry yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's the same name by accident um, to bring the data a little bit up and then propose a new channel for monetizing this new data so it's mm -hmm. a new revenue stream and what is a new revenue stream well you can just i don't know open a, open a front end or, or make a new line in your cpq and this is it you don't have to to make a new company you don't have to have a innovative business unit this is the same customers those are the same you know order forms and so on it can, it can be a real quick win so months is maybe let's take one more step down into the execution layer obviously this requires of us to have specific software technology what do i what do i specifically need because you just said with the case that i gave you that so you have a data lake that's not good enough what do i need to do this well well nothing very specific which is a good news because uh, again you can have quick wins you can consider monetizing data as something that is just a step forward uh, well if you monetize only machines one time it can be a little bit more difficult because you, you probably need to start moving to the subscription economy or to the as a service economy with a specific order to cash. But if you consider that you already are in some recurring uh, relationship with your customers because you do already over the top services or you're, a, I don't know, a SaaS vendor or as a service vendor, you don't need anything specific. The point is that if it's a new channel, you probably have a new channel of consumption, say a website. Or again, a new line in your CPQ. But it will be the same technology, the same CPQ, the same sales team selling just another product, maybe to another set of customers. So it's not, not a big deal. Uh, concerning the monetization, well, it's probably the, the part that is uh, the less impacted because all the monetization engines are absolutely able to do a part of pay-per-use. And data monetization, at some point, if we go on the core of it, it's per use the use is a complex the pay per use is not so complex really right. so and if we go down the process the fact that you have whether an api manager that will count the in and the out in self of calls of api or maybe the the number of data records that have exiting of the sql requests if we go to this direction or if you have a data lake which is just a source of data it is a good starting point because you need to have the producer of the data, you need to have the raw material. Right. This is the, the data lake, this is the API platform. But then you need something in between, and this is, by the way, where, where we position the digital route, which is you take the raw data and you increase the data, you aggregate the data, and the more you aggregate, the more you increase, the more you check and you cross-check the data with different data sources, the more uh, business value we target. So at the exit of this pipeline of data so just before we insert the data in the monetization engine um, we can we can decide what is the level that is requested by the customer again it can be super simple kilowatts an hour numbers of pages that are printing or it can be super high level like what is the outcome that i get from the service everything that will change is the lens of the data transformation between right. the raw source and the monetization exactly so you need that tool to create that intelligence basically with the raw data, okay? Yes. You already mentioned that this is what Digital Route specializes in. Mm -hmm. What is it specifically that Digital Route does that is so good if we consider that there are 
potentially alternatives or perceived alternatives in the market? Well, <laughs> just because it's not that simple. <laughs> it looks simple when we draft an architecture uh -huh. like this, but it's not that simple um, because it's high volume of data. It has most of the time to be real time or close to real time because if you wait the end of the month, you don't have any outcome, right? You, you cannot count something at the end of the month. So you have to do it very recurrently, almost real time. Uh, it has to be safe. Mm -hmm. We are talking about data, sensitive data. So it cannot be just a pipeline where, well, if you lose the data, we will ask again in 10 minutes when the system will be up and running. It has to be certified. It has to be robust. It has to be, you know, telco grade, if I may, mm -hmm. just because you cannot drop a data somewhere in the air. Data, GDPR, you know where I'm going with that. Yeah. It's something that is absolutely sensitive and we are certified for handling uh, financial data and connecting business system together. And this is something that is a kind of specific. And you have to have the capability to, well, to aggregate, to sort, not only to connect and collect the data from different systems, but to massage the data to augment, to increase, to cross-check, to call multiple systems in order to bring this data. And this is exactly what we do because we have business rules we can implement and not only transport the data. So this is where we specialize. And we've been doing this almost 25 years on the most complex environments. So we have a very clear view on what it means. Olivier, I have one final question for you. And that takes us back a little bit to the start. Many of the initiatives I see when companies want to seek more or new revenues and they want to go the data monetization route they start off with we need to fix our billing system is it really a billing problem or are we speaking more of a data management or data issue here i would say it depends i'm sorry i will be a little bit more specific in a second if you already have a, a decent billing or monetization engine that is able to handle a part of paper use as I said previously, this is not where the problem is. The problem is on what is the data, level of granularity of the data points, unit of measures that I want to apply, and then we can do it and inject the right level of data to the, to the billing solution. So I would say that it, um, it postponed the need for change yeah. at some point. And let's be realistic. If you have the best uh, monetization solution in the world, it will not solve the problem. So <laughs> we can probably start by thinking, what is the outcome you want to monetize to the um, to your market? What is the level of granularity of data? Sa sort this problem. And then I'm not sure it will be a billing problem anymore. That's a good point to end on. Thank you so much, Olivier. Thank you, Bernard.